and welcome back to another episode of Sink or Swim. I am your host, Jackson Swim. And this episode isn't going to be like the last couple ones, um, or really like any of them. This is going to be an informative uh, episode, which I'm really excited about. So let's just get straight into it. Um, we're going to be learning, okay? We're going to be expanding our minds to the concept of history. And this history is something that is pretty important to Washingtonians. Um, it's something that is important to U.S. history and the War of Worlds II. Um, you know, they always say, why is the first one so good? Why not make a second? And that was World War II, apparently. I'm just kidding. It was somewhat mostly of a tragedy. But let's get into it. I'm here with my good friend, housemate, teammate, and buddy, uh, JJ Fonlander. JJ, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Um, you were saying if there's a first one, why not make a second? And normally a lot of the sequels are worse than the original. And what, like one thing that I can think of is uh, The Sandlot. Sandlot has a pretty bad second movie. That's the first thing that came to your That's mind. The was first the thing that came to my mind, honestly. Wow. Sandlot one and Sandlot three are pretty good though. Yeah, but the second one's not great. No, it's mm. not. But but there are some sequels that are better than the first. Those are rare. Anyways, you're taking a class right now, and the only reason that we're doing this form of podcast is because this is for a project. Yeah, and I need to do this project. Um, I need to make a podcast. Or I could have written a paper or a documentary, but I thought the podcast would have been fun because I know that my housemate Jackson has a podcast. So I'm like, why not make a podcast with my homie? Exactly. Dang it. That is so unprofessional. I am so sorry for all those people that are listening. Uh, my computer is hooked up to my phone <laughs> and it um, gets text messages. Um, so it like beeps, which I can't figure out how to turn that off. But anyways... What is this project? Like, what are we, what are you supposed to be learning about in this class? Like, what, what's the class in general? What, what's the, well, the our name? first, our, our name is Pacific Northwest History, and our first unit was on uh, Plateau and Coastal Indians, which was a pretty interesting subject, but now we're talking about more of, um, well, my last uh, paper that I just wrote was about racism in the Pacific Northwest. But this is completely off topic from any of that because racism, like not like NASCAR. No racism, like with races. But I mean, not NASCAR races. Okay, okay, just races. making sure. Mm -hmm. But this, what we're going to be talking about today is the Hanford Project because that seemed like a cool thing to talk about for this podcast. And you know, normally in games, nukes are pretty fun to play with, but nukes are not fun to play with in real life. No, they are not. Um, they are not fun to play with in real life at all. And I think that we just kind of need to get into it a little bit. So what is the Hanford Project and what's kind of like, I don't, yeah, just give it to me straight. Imagine like I am an idiot, okay? okay I am absolutely- you want me to educate you I'm this. stupid, okay? Yeah. Which, I mean, arguably I am. You're not Arguably no. I am. But- we can talk about it in this way. So yeah, let me know. I'm not stupid. I know a little bit about the Hanford Project um, and a little bit. Not a lot. 
just some interesting facts. So we'll get into those later. But give us the gist of the Hanford Project. You know, what's the deal? Why should I care? Well, in the, in, sorry, in 1943, the Hanford site was used to produce plutonium for a bomb that was brought, that brought an end to World War II, you know? Have you ever heard of World War II? Uh, yes, yeah, I it have. Was, uh, this bomb was called Fat Boy, and it was dropped on Nagasaki, and that was the end of the war. I mean, <sighs> I don't like talking about people dying, but the U.S. won the war. That you know? was one of the things that led them to win the war. Yeah, it really kind of demoralized the um, Japanese. Yeah, the people that the U.S. were fighting yeah. against. And then after that, the Hanford site was used um, again to create nuclear bombs for the Cold War because both the USSR and the U.S. wanted to see who would be a bigger powerhouse in the world. So mm -hmm. they used these nuclear bombs as like a range to see who is better. They're basically playing chicken with their nuclear bombs. Yeah. If you, have you ever played chicken? Any one of the viewers that's listening, if, if you guys know what chicken is, it's basically where you are in a car, your friend or someone you hate is in another car, you guys are driving at each other as fast as you possibly can, and the first one to back off loses. And you basically, you go... Uh, until like you know if no one backs someone off dies. people die if no one backs off someone dies and that's exactly what could have happened during the cold war you know you had the u.s getting in their car you know i'm using air yeah. quotes here and their car was building a crap ton of nuclear weapons the ussr was building a crap ton of nuclear weapons yeah. and they were just like racing head on and then at one point uh someone peeled off i think they both peeled off actually because they didn't want the world to end yeah because if you use a lot of nukes there's going to be a lot of radi radiation which will cause the earth to die yeah it will but um, anyways hanford had a lot of uh say in that because that's where a lot of stuff was developed yeah for the bombs mm -hmm. um it's actually located 13.4 miles away from tri-cities which wasn't the best spot now because Tri-Cities is very populated and some of that radiation was able to like seep into the water and into the Columbia River which they're all close to and <clears throat> before the reactors of Hanford the, there were small towns of White Bluff and uh, White Bluff and Hanford which was actually a town I did not know that I thought it was just the site um, and then these cities housed around 1500 citizens which doesn't seem like a lot because it's not so that's why they wanted to put the uh, reactors there because it was very the population wasn't too big so i was gonna ask why did they put hanford project in the good old state of washington it it was basically to keep everything uh, like under wraps yeah they wanted to keep everything kind of like hidden so they're like why would it be in washington especially in hanford because there's well i mean there was nothing there which is why they wanted to do it um, but to get the people out of uh, White Bluff and Hanford, they just they kind of paid them and they gave them 30 days to leave because they kind of needed to make some bombs. Yeah. <laughs> so they were saying like, yo, yeah, you got to leave a little cash underneath the table. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, honestly, because oh they needed to leave because they needed to make bombs. So what happened to those people? Do we know anything about what happened? Like, I, I I really don't know. I think they just moved out. Probably just moved away. Yeah, they had to leave their farms and stuff, which kind of would suck because you've probably put a lot of time and effort into your farms, and having to leave would 
not be fun. Yeah, arguably. I mean, if I was living on a farm, I would want to say, yeah, I want to stay on this farm. Some people are saying, you know, there was Russell Westbrook on a farm. They're like, I want to get out. Yeah. I want to play basketball. Yeah. You know, anyways. Yeah. So we got that. Now, now we already talked about where the Hanford site is. Um, can we talk a little bit about Hanford in its early days? Uh, you said it was like the World War II era of when it was really like needed and originated. So yeah. go into that a little bit. So maybe I was thinking you said what happened to those people that had to move off. Maybe some of them started working for the Hanford Project because when the Hanford site opened up, there were 51,000 jobs created. 51,000. Yeah, there was a ton of people working on the site. And only a small percentage knew what the final goal of this site was. So a lot of them were just kind of working because they were just working. To get money. Yeah, they knew it was for war, but they didn't know what part of war it was for. And if they knew what part of war it was for, they might have not supported it because that involved killing a lot of people. Yeah. Wouldn't that be kind of sad um, to know what you'd be working for is to kill a bunch of people? Yeah, that's probably only why a small percentage knew. The, what You say a small percentage. Do I, we know? Like I don't a, know the percentage, but I'm guessing not a lot of people. Probably only the companies that were involved in hiring these people knew what mm -hmm. it was. But basically like the run-of-the-mill average players in this uh, game we call the Hanford Project... They did not know. They're no, just they like, did not oh. know. They were kind of just working. They're like, oh, I got to carry this uranium to Site B. I hope I don't trip and fall and eat some of it and die. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I hope no one eats uranium. That would kind of suck. <laughs> but, um... Oh, to store the uranium, they built these canyons where plutonium would be extracted from the fuel rods, which, honestly, is beyond me. I don't know what... Like it was, it's tough to learn about because I don't know how you would extract uranium safely. But um, also, Hanford's biggest project was providing the minerals needed for the for Fat Man, which is what I was talking about earlier, which was dropped on Nagasaki, practically ending the first war. Practically sending. Well, I mean, because that wasn't the final straw of ending the war, but it was like kind of like the finale. Of I the feel war. like we could have ended with one bomb. Yeah, I, probably. I, feel, I, feel like I don't think the, the one a couple days later really... That might be, in the literal sense, overkill. Yeah, it probably was overkill. Yeah, which, I mean, a lot of people lost their lives then. So, can you imagine being in Nagasaki um, and getting a call and saying, like, oh, Hiroshima just got bombed, and you're like, oh, wow, thank goodness I live in Nagasaki. <laughs> I couldn't imagine being in that spot right there, because that would be a pretty crappy spot to be in yeah regardless it's sad but hanford um uh, let's look at the positives a little bit provided a lot of jobs during the world war ii era yeah and also near the end before it shut down and more in uh 1959 there was a reactor called n which was the first dual uh dual functionality reactor because it provided energy and also it was able to produce plutonium for these bombs. So it kind of had a better purpose other than just making plutonium because it also created energy, which probably fueled the site and fueled sites around Hanford. Nuclear energy is probably one of the best forms of creating energy that we have right now. Um, I mean, there's obviously stuff for um, renewable sources of energy like wind and solar and uh, you know underwater stuff but at the time this was a very big thing because yeah. it 
energy like this wasn't used beforehand. And so you can see a lot of other nuclear reactor sites that sprang up around the U.S. and around the world that are now being used to power cities. Yeah. Which is just incredible that, you know, that that's a really positive byproduct that came out of Hanford. Yeah, that was a positive byproduct, but there were also a ton of negatives, but we won't talk about those yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. So you also mentioned um, the, the Chile War. Yeah, the um, Chile War. The, the very... It, it was, Put on it a was cold. Yeah, it was a very cold war. Yeah, so that was after the World War II era. So r- run me a couple dollars worth. Give me some bones on some... W- what did Hanford have to do with the Cold War? Because the first time I think about it, like, there, there's no correlation. Yeah. There's none. But, shocker, there might there's, be. There's a ton, actually, because in the Cold War, they made more nuclear reactors, which didn't help these days because now they have to clean it up. But back in the day, it helped produce a ton of bombs. And they had, I believe, nine. And the last one that was created was N, which was the dual functionality one, which was nice obviously because it produced energy and when N actually came out, JFK came down to Hanford in 1963 for its dedication because it was like, oh, this is such a new thing. I have to come see what it is. So why was it named N? Do you know? No, because there were, I think they were just named after letters because one of the ones that I was researching later was just called B, which is the last remaining reactor. Obviously it's not running, but it's the last remaining one. So I think they just named it after letters. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Pretty, I don't. I don't really know why they would name it after letters. Maybe code names. Maybe code names. N yeah. Standard for nuke. New. New like new functions. Oh. Like energy. You know. Okay. Oh well, yeah, yeah. You know. You know. Uh, take. You win some. You lose some. You win some. You lose some. You know. Some would say. So, that's that's really just a little bit of that, about the Cold War. Um. Now. What about during the mid-60s and through 1971? All reactors actually shut down during that time but N because N was still producing energy, but then N stopped producing that in 1987 because that's when all reactors stopped working. Was it just because the the uranium or plutonium or whatever was being to power that, it just ran out of gas? I'm... I believe that it was because that was when the near the end of the Cold War, when the USSR and the U.S. were like, we probably shouldn't be making this many nukes because if one of us gets mad and fires them off, we're going to end the entire world. So that's probably why they stopped making them. And now they're, just trying to, now they're just trying to clean it up, which is a tough part. Yeah, so cleaning up radiation is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I What I've heard. I, I've heard, you, you know... What's that one place over in uh, Europe? They had a uh, there was a nuclear Chernobyl? reactor. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Right. Yes. Um. So there was a nuclear reactor that was there, and worst case scenario happened. Um. It basically, I think it blew up. Yeah. And so there wasn't like a big nuke that went off, but the, there was a lot of leakage and stuff, and just a ton of radiation. You got the elephant's foot that's in there. It's it's the most radioactive piece of material. If you look at it, you're dead. Yeah, I think it's still radioactive today. Oh, it's still deadly as heck. Yeah. You could power like a small town with just that radiation Probably. alone. So the cleanup part, pretty sketch, but Hanford, you know, didn't blow up. It, there wasn't any, you know, problems. But 
what is the problem with Hanford? You know, what, what's the deal? Well, some of these little problems that were happening while Hanford was being created was that some of these tanks that were storing the... Um, uh, so, yeah, some of these... Uh, liquids that were being stored in these tanks started to seep out. Ooh, seepage. Yeah, which was like going into the ground, which wasn't good because it would eventually lead to something else that I'll explain a little later. There were There were actually 177 tanks in total, 149 single-cell tanks, which I think wasn't as protected as the 28 double-shell tanks that were constructed as well, but those actually seeped as well over time it was just corrosion to the bottom of the tank which let some of this uh radiation out into the ground but then there were sometimes they just didn't even use the tanks and they just put it directly into the ground i think that's what they started doing at first and then they started using these tanks after they realized that putting this nuclear radiation into the ground wasn't the smartest thing to do yeah um but after that the liquid that was in the ground was soaked into the soil, obviously contaminating it. And then plumes were created, which is like gas forming with the underground water that some of it would move pretty fast, but some of it would move pretty slow. It would flow towards the Columbia River. So there was some radi radioactive activity in the Columbia River. So you basically get um, you get the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, you you could probably grow a third leg in there. Yeah, pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. So that's really a tough problem because now how are we going to clean that up? And I know that there's actually been some projects that have been put into play that help with that, but I, I'm not I'm not totally sure. So. Really, what well, my question is, because I, I like to do the blame game. I like to point fingers. Yeah. I like to say, oh, you did that. You didn't do the dishes. Um, you struck out. You know, just just stuff. Like, you ran over that thing. Um, stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, you're just trying to figure out who was the... Who is to blame? Let's, let's go down to the <clears throat> straightforward part of it and find out who is to blame. Well, okay. If you want to think back before the war started, I kind of have three things of who is to blame, one before all of this even started, one during, kind of, and then, yeah, like the storage and stuff, and then the last one is kind of the cleanup. So who's to blame for this site being created? The War Department actually was the one who thought this site would be good because it was pretty far away from the population. So they were the ones that wanted the project to happen there instead of anywhere else. And then for the storage of the nuclear waste, the companies that built the project could be who to blame because at first they kind of just stored it into the ground. And then after that, they stored it in the single cell tank, single shell tanks, and then the double shell tanks, which obviously didn't work too well because they started to seep through. But then that still could also be the War Department's blame because they didn't really uh, give them any instruction about what to do. Hmm. And then for the cleanup of the site, <clears throat> um, the companies responsible for cleaning it up could just have just taken too long. It's been 31 years since the cease of production of nuclear reactors. So that stopped in 18, sorry, 1989 wow. or whenever the last reactor ceased action. Mm -hmm. And there are still sometimes accidents that happen that cause nuclear radiation to seep out and the... And that might just be the cleanup crew just because they're not being careful. Because in 2017, there was 
uh, specks of plutonium swept up in high gusts and blown miles across the desert plateau into the Columbia River. Um, and this was happen this happened because crews were demolishing nuclear weapons. This could be the fault of the crews, but it also that that probably just could be because they weren't being too careful. Yeah, exactly. So that just because it kind of just not blew up, but it just seeped out. Mm-hmm. So that could just be because they weren't being too careful, or just because the reactor wasn't built the way it was supposed to be. And then <clears throat> the site though has encased off eight of the nine reactors. The only one being reactor B, which is being left for a, because it's a national landmark, they actually covered up eight of the nine in concrete and steel. Wow. So they, so that nothing else would really happen. Nothing would seep out. Yeah. Nothing would seep out. And they've been trying to clean the groundwater there so that none of it would really seep into the Columbia river anymore so that it would be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty safe. (laughs) Yeah. And but they're also saying it is 2020 right now, and they're saying cleanup is supposed to take until 2040 or into the 2040s. So that's after that all happens, that's going to be like 51 years at least until the 2040s since the last reactor stopped making plutonium. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and because of that, I mean, we're obviously going to experience some poor side effects. And that's something that I kind of want to touch into, too, because, you know, you have these towns and cities that were operating around and almost inside Hanford and other sites. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've learned about this. Um, So the downwinders. Uh So these downwinders were basically, like I said, people that were in the site or around the site or downwind of the site. And, And this phrase doesn't really particularly pertain to uh, Hanford, but it was really, um, you know, acquired in like New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, places where they tested actual nuclear bombs Mm -hmm. and where the fallout of the nuclear bombs was brought downwind. The radiation was brought downwind because wind took up the particles and blew them around and put them in these towns. And so kind of the same thing, I I guess you could say this is more like a down down river. Yeah, from like the Columbia River because the plumes would uh, just seep from the underground carrying this water to the Columbia River so there would be contaminants in the Columbia River. Yeah, and so some things that we found were um, high increases in cancer. Uh, One thyroid cancer was something that was really brought up and I believe the chemical or the element that was being seeped in was iodine-131. I believe that's how you say it. But that that's basically like what brought, you know, frustration and pain and turmoil and death to our own citizens was that uh, stuff. And so actually um, there was some compensation that the United States wanted to bring upon um, for the people that were experiencing the fallout. Mm-hmm. And it was about a hundred million dollars uh, worth of funding that was put into all these people. So everyone got... $50,000. Each person got $50,000 to compensate for what happened. It means there was a lot of people infected. There's a ton of people infected. Yeah. And then it was upwards, I think, to $100,000, depending on... What happened? Yeah, depending like on... kind of what side effects you had. Exactly. If you got, like, worse side effects, you got more money. Yeah. Which and would so, suck, honestly. Those it, side effects probably would suck. 
Yeah, and some of the side effects that really were um, touched upon were radiation on female downwinders because a lot of stuff happened uh, with birth defects and also being able to not give birth in general, which is extremely sad. And so obviously, like this entire project, one, it was used initially to create a weapon of mass destruction. Two, um, it was made to... And then later on, like, we have to clean it up because we're yeah. reaping the benefits of our own shortcomings. But also, I think a personal benefit would be that some Richland High School, their mascot, Richland High, is named the Bombers. So that was actually after Hanford was put into place and ha after the nuclear bombs were thrown down on Japan, they named it that. The bombers, which I think that's a little bit interesting because it didn't make um, MTV's list of eight high schools that eight high school mascots you still won't believe exist because I, I think it kind of falls into that category. Yeah, so it's a little bit offensive. A, that's very offensive, I think. Yeah, but it, apparently it's not as offensive as the Orofino Junior Senior High School Maniacs. Yeah, that's a that's a weird name. The Freeburg Community High School Midgets, which that is extremely <laughs> that's offensive. That's extremely offensive to a lot of people, so. Um, the Robstown High School Cotton Pickers, um, which should be paying homage to Eli Whitney, but it obviously makes everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, that makes me uncomfortable, and I don't even know where that is. Yep. So. Um, the Redskins, you know, there's stuff going on with the NFL, the Washington football team, that they're changing their name because of that. Um, Centralia Orphans, that is pretty exciting. Um, kind of sad, because, you know, it's children whose parents have died. Um Coachella Valley Mighty Arabs, which previously they used to be known as just the Arabs. They just had to put Mighty in front of there. Just yeah. Just seem a little stronger, I guess. Can't really read the room. Savages, the Hobos, you I mean, we yeah. go through all these names, but the Bombers never actually made it to there. But in general, you know, the Hanford Project, now we're, it's had some effects that we weren't totally sure that were going to happen so yeah yeah it kind of makes me wonder why they built so many reactors i get they wanted to make a lot of like nuclear weapons but i'm just wondering why they would build so many if they at this point knew that the cleanup would be tough mm -hmm. exactly exactly but yeah anything else you want to touch on the hanford project i mean i feel like we covered quite a bit you covered quite a bit yeah, this is did, your project we did talk about um how Hanford was before all of the nuclear reactors and stuff came into the town. And then we talked about how World War II was affected by Hanford and how the Cold War was also affected by Hanford. And then we also talked about the fallout and the cleanup of Hanford, which is pretty much all you can talk about. You also talked about, we also talked about some of the side effects that could happen from some of this fallout. And that's pretty much all you could talk about for Hanford. Yeah. This was a really cool sink or swim informative edition. Yeah, normally right. I can hear you talking to the people that you're interviewing. I can hear them talking and it's definitely not about school when you're talking about it. So this, this was first a good... one about history, you know. Yeah, good change of pace. First for everything, you know. There is a first for everything. Yeah. There's also a first for... The bombers. Yeah. Uh, the, the I don't think they've won any championships yet. I, so I hope not. That would be kind of 
It would bring attention to their name, and it, more fame would go to the hand. Maybe, maybe the MTV people would realize that this is a this is a name that should be recognized. <laughs> exactly. Well, JJ, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And then for all the people that are still listening, even though that this was a project, um, thank you. Really appreciate just the contributions that you guys have made to the channel, um, which is essentially listening. Um, and so I do really appreciate that. Anyone that's new that has to listen because uh, this is JJ's project, um, thank you for listening. I hope it was informative. Um, JJ really did his best on this. He spent hours researching, um, and I really thought that he brought a lot to the table. This was his first podcast, after all, so... Kind of nervous, not going to lie. I was kind of nervous. <laughs> he was kind of nervous, but, I mean, you definitely fit the bill. Um, you, you did well, so thank you for that. And then, uh, yeah, if you're a friend, thank you. We appreciate you, and, you know, we, ju we just love you on the show. So, And then if you're a fan, consider yourself a friend. So everything I said previously now pertains to you. Well, anyways, um, this has been another episode of Sink or Swim. Uh, JJ, once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I love the podcast. Yeah, we'll have to get you on for an actual interview sometime. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, we are going to have so much fun. Of course we will. Of course we will. Well, anyways, um, this has been Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Jack. Wait, no, that's not how the outro goes. I'm Jackson. And I'm Jeffrey. And this has been Sink, Sink or, or Swim. Swim. We'll see you next time. Yeah.